real sure where the brother was working and uh, they came to this church. I've heard of it since I was probably 15, 16 years old. And uh, he said, Brother Seal, that church is more like ours than any place I've ever been. And uh, then my son and son-in-law now uh, came out a couple of times on ski trips and I told them, uh, I've never been there, but I hear it's a good church, go there. And they came home with the same report, and so I'm here today with the same report. We appreciate being here, and I really intended to come to this meeting if I hadn't been asked to preach this year. Uh, I'm still just enamored with that book, and I guess the next time we write the Bible, we'll have to put it in there. Praise God. So it's great, because I like for people to live what they preach. And I like to see what people say they are. A lot of people are like a chameleon, whatever leaf they're on, that's what they are. But I like to see people that are real. And uh, I'm just glad to be here. I feel a little bit like I did uh, the day the tornado blew my church away. I didn't know it was happening that day, but I was in Oxford, England before a panel of judges defending a proposition that I was uh, giving. And there were lecturers and Oxford scholars and lawyers and uh, you name it. So I kind of have that feeling a little bit today uh, with the situation. But you know what? God brought me through, and I believe he's going to help us today. And I'm going to say this and then read and let you sit down. But uh, we had a great experience. I know it's great now. But uh, a tornado came through on January the 19th of uh, 2001 and uh, blew away everything I'd worked for all my life. I didn't know it and didn't find it out until I got to the airport in Little Rock coming home from England. And uh, my oldest daughter, that's our organist, uh, was with the group that met me at the airport. And uh, they was afraid I'd have a heart attack or something. So they told me, and I said, was anybody killed? Said, no. And I said, was anybody hurt bad? And she said, I was probably hurt worse than anybody. And I said, well, it's tough and it's rough, but we'll just start over. And uh, I didn't realize how tough till I saw the pictures and realized what had happened. And my daughter was driving down uh, um, Dewitt Henry Drive, which is our main thoroughfare in our city, and she didn't know what was right behind her was a tornado. And uh, the storm just gently lifted her car to where her, she had no traction, put her in the path of an oncoming automobile for a head-on collision, then it just gently lifted her above the car. The car went completely under her car without touching it. Took her clear up in the sky so high you couldn't see her. Demolished her car. And I forgot to tell you this. She had a, a tape in the tape player, and Brother Spell was saying, storms don't decide when they'll go away. <laughs> and just as he said that, it hit. But... Uh, the storm, before it turned her loose, the impact would have no doubt just made hamburger of her. It had completely demolished her car. Then it just gently came down and put her on the ground about a block from my house. And uh, when she stopped, she was laying on the passenger side of the car with both legs through the steering wheel and did not have a broken bone in her legs. She thought she had a broken shoulder. But that was Friday night and Saturday night. By a kerosene lamp, she played the accordion, we sung and shouted. So I've got a great testimony that God can pull you through anything if you'll just take the pull. Stay with God. He won't fail you. 
And uh, I appreciate what I heard today. I'm a lighthouse buff, and I, I guess I found out today why Cape Hatteras is one of my favorite, and I collect them, and so I was really inspired, and also by what I heard. But turn with us for just a little while in Isaiah, the 30th chapter, and I want to read the first three verses this afternoon. Isaiah chapter 30, beginning at verse number 1. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. Let us pray. Precious God, we love you and we thank you today for your spirit. We thank you, God, for the touch of God. We thank you, oh God, for the privilege that we have, God, the convenience that we have to travel so many miles, God, to be with people of like precious faith. God, we know that you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And God, we're so thankful, God, that in this last day we still have people that believe truth that we can rub shoulders with and fellowship with. Bless us, God, and send an anointing today in Jesus' name. Praise God. You may be seated. I want to take a thought from the first verse of Isaiah 30. The Bible tells us several things that men do. And then it gives us the purpose or the reason that they do this. That they may add sin to sin. You may have read the book, and I don't agree with everything in the book, but I'm going to use it because I'm going to borrow from the title of that book for this short Bible lesson this afternoon. Uh, Dr. Carl Menninger wrote a book in 1977 called Whatever Became of Sin. As a psychiatrist, he used that title for a springboard. It really wasn't uh, in-depth treatise on sin, I don't suppose, but when I read the book, it stirred me up. And I know today that we live in a compromising generation. And I'm not here today to preach a defeated message because I don't believe that. God is going to have a people that are standing for truth when the trumpet sounds. God's going to have people that believe something when this thing is over with. But in Jeremiah 13, 23, the Bible said, Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard his spots? then you may do good that are accustomed to do evil. Therefore will I scatter them as stubble that passeth away by the wind of the wilderness. People today are stubborn, but they're really no different than ungenerated people were, regenerated people were in days gone by. Jesus said in Luke 13, 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killeth the prophets, and stonest them that are sent to thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, you shall not see me, until the time come when you shall say, 
Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Society throughout history has either hung the prophets or they've ignored them. And I want you to know today that ignoring the prophet is much more dangerous to the body as a whole. There's just something about us when people really start fighting us and persecuting us that we begin to grow. But we've got trouble when we have people sitting on the pew and they hear strong preaching and they think, well, he's saying that because that's what preachers are supposed to say. But it really doesn't mean what he's saying. And they uh, begin to dilute and water down the sin factor. So I want to ask you today, where is the hour that we could hear preaching like we heard last night and people scream and run over one another, climb over the pews to get to the altars? Coldness and indifference. Matthew chapter three, verse seven. And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. John the Baptist was a holiness preacher. He demanded action out of those who received his message. And of course, he was finally decapitated for preaching against sin and telling it like it was. But I want us to look at the causes of the current world and church conditions today. Someone said, as the world goes, so is going the church. But I want you to know the number one problem is God no longer plays the role that he once played in men's minds. Psalm 917 said, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. Trouble. I heard just a few days ago, and I'm sure you heard the same story. Uh, the mother that instigated the Roe versus Wade decision that has caused literally hundreds of thousands and millions of little babies to be destroyed in this country. And she talked about the mental anguish and the hell that she'd gone through because of this. I'm telling you folks, you can't ever write sin and get away with it. It will catch up with you. We're not gonna be punished because of our sin in this hour as much as we're being punished by our sins. A man that I don't know anything about being a particular religious person, Daniel Burston, who is the director of the National Museum of Science and Technology at the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, had this to say. We have lost our sense of history. Lost our traditional respect for the wisdom of ancestors and the culture of kindred nations. And of course he was doing that uh, from a Smithsonian approach. But the very word history today means his story. God wants to bring a role about in our lives that we can be saved, that we can escape the condemnation of the devil, that we can stay out of a place that's called hell. But when we're not sensitive to preaching and the move of the Spirit of God, I'm telling you, when God's moving, when the choir's singing and the Spirit's falling, we've got a problem when we have picture shows and write notes and tell jokes and punch one another and we never 
never respond to the move of God. We never get so old to be too tall or too short that we don't need that touch of God on a daily basis. We need to feel condemnation when we're in sin and in trouble lest we lose our sense of sin. Have we lost our sense of trouble? Who's to blame for this? The clergy. Matthew 13, 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, there appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto her, Him, sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather the tares, you root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together the first of the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. An ancient story tells of a man that looked at his teacher and said, the master is the cause of this. Because he was asleep when the enemy came. Another cause that society and the church world as a whole are losing their sense of the horrible aspects of sin is because we have ignored sin and its penalties. Augustine said that sin was turning away from the universal whole to the individual part. Dr. Seward Hiltner said that sin was rebellion as estrangement or isolation and its errant performance a missing of the mark. And then the next one to blame is society. We have changed sin to crime. You see, we live in the most godly nation on the face of this earth as far as I know. But sin is on every hand. And the cause of it is that we have pushed God from our school systems. There's forces at work to push the acknowledgement of God out of every facet of society and they make the statement we've got policemen we have laws but to see certain things that, that will damn a man's soul would be unheard of to be against the law and so we have a vacuum we're in trouble according to history when early Christians met in small cells or groups the order of worship first call for a self-disclosure and confession of sin. Exmologesis is what it was called. Tough stuff. The Nicene Council in A.D. 325 introduced the confessional that made it more personal amongst other things that they introduced. Trinitarian doctrine. Nathaniel Hawthorne's book, The Scarlet Letter, deals with this same principle. But then, and I'm not saying that we ought to confess 
what people do not know. I feel like the injured need to be confessed to, and that's another message for another time. But I do say that we need to have some fear when we come into the presence of God about how we've lived that day. Sigmund Freud, the author, the inventor, or the father of modern psychoanalysis, made this statement, and it's a damning statement. To understand everything is to be cured of everything. So this, for a big part of society, and we may not have chosen that by choice, but the spirit is creeping in to the church world today. You know, I got mad because of what you did. And there was a day when you threw off and blew off the handle and got into it that you had to fess up and say, I'm sorry. Yes, sir, that's right. It's been a long time since I've heard of people apologizing to each other and both of them saying, oh, no, it was my fault. Now we understand there were circumstances that made people act like they act. There's no bad children anymore. They just had bad parents. Maybe a grandfather three or four generations back that they never knew brought this on them. And I do believe in family curses, and I believe that spirits are handed down by parents. But what I'm trying to say this afternoon is this, that we must get back to the place where a person who is at the age of accountability are accountable to God and to the church for their own actions. Sin is seen as a behavior sickness, as a misunderstanding and a mistake. All penalties have been removed from men's minds. Unconcern. 1 Peter 4, 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. But we have come to the place, and I say we, I mean the church world as a whole, that we no longer believe the time has come, that judgment must begin. We believe this, that must has been changed to never begin. Judgment must never begin at the church. We live in a day that if the preacher gets up and preaches a message all the way home, mama will tell her rebellious teenager, he really didn't mean that. Unconcerned. Policemen have replaced ministers in the lives of young people today. Unconcern is really vile to God. Judges 5, 23, he said, Curse ye marrows, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof. Boy, that sounds like rough stuff. They must have been into everything. But listen what God said because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. This was all because they did not feel it was important enough 
to heed God's call or to help those that did feel the call of God. It just didn't make them a rip. I'm telling you, we need to stand up for what's right. You may not be under the gun today, but tomorrow you may be under the gun. And we need to stand together and fight for each other and stand for something. Let's just curse fall on us. Forgive me for a little bit of geographic typology. But the city of Meros was 12 miles from Samaria. They was fooling with mixture. It was outside Jerusalem. Now, I love all the modern convenience. I'm real glad I didn't have to ride a camel to Denver. I wouldn't be here. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have to walk to BB. I hitchhiked, but I probably wouldn't have made it if I'd have had to walk the whole 100 miles. And this city was near the Valley of Zezreel, the place of the Battle of Armageddon, the last days, perfectly. Don't care, doesn't matter. So we've seen that the ministry's cause it unconcerns the cause a lot of things that we no longer feel the sinfulness of sin. But let's look at the remedy. To the preachers, may I say today, preach. Just preach on. Do what God told the prophet. Don't look at their faces. Just keep on preaching. Somebody said, I'll lose everybody. I'm telling you, friend, I remember when I had 45 and had 17 to walk out in one night. I was a lot younger than I am now, but I just preached the harder. The next service. But I'll tell you what we need to just keep on preaching. Jeremiah 1 and 7 said, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Preachers, God has given us a job that he has not commissioned any other facet of society to do. And if we fail, it won't be done. Isaiah 58 and 1, he said, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. You may not know this, but a lot of people today are not living enough to be saved. And the only reason they're not is because they've got powerless preachers. They're afraid to tell them about their sin. Hungry folks will change. I preached to people back in the 60s that were poor. They wasn't clad very well but they came to church the next night and you could tell they'd made sleeves and lengthened their dresses with flour sack material. Came on without one bit of embarrassment. Well, we've gone from the days of silver and gold have I none to silver and gold have I some. But look how we look. Saints, realizing that your rebellion is part of the cause of this, let's find out your remedy. Honor the ministry. This old junk, that preacher's not God. We're all very well aware of that. 
But I've got news for you that he is God's voice for you. And if you don't hear him, don't think for a minute you're going to stay home and get in the corner somewhere and fast and pray and get it yourself. It's not coming. You made an F in the first grade and you will not be promoted. Leviticus 27, 14 says, And when a man shall sanctify his house to be holy unto the Lord, then the priest shall estimate it, whether it be good or bad. Now you hear this. People say, well, I never read that in the Bible. I'm reading it to you. I'm telling you. People say, well, what if the preacher's the devil? God's got a way of moving them. He said, as the priest shall estimate it, so shall it stand. God said what this pastor says, I'm going to back it up. And then some of you scriptorians will say, well, that was in the Old Testament. New Testament, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. I've had people to tell me, well, that means God. And I say, well, you must be Trinity. It says them. Yeah. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. What does this mean, preacher? That means sometimes you have to do things that you really don't understand. You have to go through some things that really don't make very much sense to you. But I'm telling you, if you keep a good spirit and put a padlock on your lips and bite your tongue and keep on coming to church, keep on lifting your hands and praising God, after a while, you look back at how foolish you were. This old thing, the preacher's got it in for me. It's nothing but a lie the devil told. If you're nothing but a goat head, you count in Sunday school. The preacher don't want you to leave. Or let me preface that with most of the time. Watch for your souls. That's the reason you got to submit to them. As they must give account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. Somebody said, I don't care how bad I hurt the preacher. Well, today the preacher may be hurting, but tomorrow the Bible says it's going to be unprofitable for you. Matthew 19 and 8, he saith unto them, and don't get excited. Everybody's got a theory and an idea. And that's not where I'm headed. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the, your hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. You know what happened? They kept coming every day. Moses, she's burnt my biscuits again. And he being human, you say, well, he shouldn't have worn out. Maybe so. But do you see how dangerous it is? Moses finally said, just go ahead. But Jesus said it didn't accomplish anything. It still wasn't so. You may not know today what has become of sin. Used to, when I first received the Holy Ghost, and I hadn't had it since dinosaur age, like some of the kids at our church think. But when I got the Holy Ghost in 1961, even the Trinitarians had a Pentecostal kind of a look about them. And we fought them and spit and preached. And bless God if some of our own's not cutting their hair and wearing makeup. That's right. 
but it's because they've wore some preacher out. Don't wear your preacher out. If you really don't understand it, if you really are convinced in your heart he's wrong, I'll tell you what you do. You get somewhere to pray, and don't be praying where your best friend will hear you. You say, God, I can't put this together, but if he's right, I want to be right, and I'm staying with the preacher. God, you do something. I don't know how you feel, but I believe God will kill the preacher or expose him if he's false. Stay with the preacher. Parents, parent your children. Parent your children. I've had people to say, if you don't quit doing that, I'm going to tell Brother Shield. Big deal. And if you're a mama and your youngins is into something while your husband's out slaving in the hot sun, and you say, if you do that again, I'm going to tell your daddy when you get home. There's an old sister in our church, she just died about two or three years ago, and she said, I raised nine, and not one of them ever heard me say that I was going to tell their daddy anything. I got a switch, worked them over, gave them a bath, washed their face, and they're smiling when their daddy got home, and they knew not to do that again. We need to parent our children. They tell you the Christian school boy, I want discipline. I want the children to be made mine, but sometimes they mean everybody's children but mine. And then you got show outs that embarrass and humiliate their children in public. Let me tell you, if you correct them right at home, you won't have to bring your switches to church. My children know my wife is very meek and mild, reminds me a lot of Sister Haman. But she's got this little deal she does, and I, I learned it before the kids was ever born. When that lip drops a certain way, business is fixing to pick up. And that's all she had to do, is just look at one of them, and that lip dropped down just a little bit. Because they knew it was going to be bad news. Parent your children. How are you going to do it? Give your ties and teach them too. Amen. Don't eat the preacher for breakfast, dinner, and supper. Let them know you're one with the preacher and one with the church and one with the Christian school. Don't get a whipping at school. You'll get another one when you get home. Whatever became a sin today. Church, your duty is win the lost. If you'd get out and knock a few doors or pray for some folks, visit the sick, but we spend hours on the telephone talking about what's wrong down at the church. And then we wonder why we have no victory. Ephesians 5 and 9 said, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You have got a problem when your best friend is somebody in the world. Whatever happened to sin. I want to share this in closing, and probably most of you heard it, but Sir Samuel Baker told the story of the conquering of Nubia by Egypt. And in this story, a complete regiment was destroyed by thirst in crossing the Nubian desert. They ran out of water, and it was touch and go. But the guide said, I can get you there. But they began to see mirages. I don't even know if you have them in this high climate, but we do at home. It looks like a 
complete lake in the middle of the highway. And they began to see mirages and told him, we're thirsty, man. There's an oasis, there's water. And he said, no, I know this path, that's not water. And they finally got so mad that they killed their guide and rushed to a mirage. And when they got there, there was nothing there. Friend, don't kill the influence of your preacher today. That's God's way to save us today is through preaching and preaching the truth, living the truth. And if we fail, admit we failed and get up and go again. So I want to say today, thank God for the preacher. Thank God for the Holy Ghost that brings conviction. And thank God you know the truth. Because John 8 and 32 says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So don't let these folks tell you you're in bondage for living holy and dressing holy and paying your tithes and being faithful to God. You're free. We're free. Praise God. And I'm glad to be here today. Thank you. God bless you. Praise God. Thank you, Dr. Shield. Let's stand together. Did you enjoy that? My, that's a good help along the way, isn't it? Thank God for this wonderful sound Bible teaching. My, I'm so thrilled that we have had Brother uh, Shield to come and speak for us, and we're just looking for him to come. Look, looking forward to him coming to be with us again. He has such a fine, dedicated family. I, what is it? You have five children. Do you have three children? Is that all? Uh, <laughs> Uh, he has three children, all of them living for God, all of them involved in the work of the Lord. And that's to be commended. And we're so thankful for the example this man is and has been and the influence that he's been for the work of the Lord. I'm going to ask uh, my son to come and uh, conclude this. Isn't it great we're going to get to go eat early? We're going to start looking for preachers that are short-winded. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to tell you, I miss Bishop Golder, and I miss you, I, I certainly miss Brother Cavanis, Elder Cavanis. They could teach two or three hours and just keep our attention right in the good word of the Lord. But we've been blessed today, and uh, we're going to uh, be dismissed early enough to go and enjoy a good afternoon of visitation, visiting one another and lunch. Brother Heyman, aren't you proud of our pastor? Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Praise God. Thank you all. Thank you all. The Lord's worthy of the glory today. Amen. Praise God. How many of you do know where our lunch location is? Please raise your hand real high. Okay, if you see somebody with their hand up, you can ask them how to get there. All right? Just take... And you know, by the way, you pay your own way if you show up without a name tag stuck to your lapel or your, your blouse or shirt. Those name tags are available in the lobby as you leave. And if you have a name tag, you'll be taking care of compliments of this church. And they will be added, adding up all those with a name tag. They'll all go on one, one ticket, and we'll take care of your meal. So uh, let me see here. If you'll get on the highway and go south one exit, you'll be at Hampton. Take Hampton and go west. West is towards the mountains. Go about, I don't know, how many miles? Three miles maybe? Till you get... Don't.